0: When you think about Jesus, what words would you use to describe him? Powerful, compassionate, holy, loving, merciful. You might have others. Did the description rule breaker show up on your list? Or how about defiant? Well, in today's text, in Luke chapter 6, if you want to get your Bible or pull it up on your phone, in Luke 6, we're going to see Jesus being confronted and then confronting the Pharisees over Sabbath rules. This is going to happen two additional times in the book of Luke. Now, as we think about the Sabbath... It's not something we talk about much in Christianity or at sunset. It is important to clarify that there are rules in the Bible about the Sabbath, and God is the one who gave those rules. The first time the word holy appears in the Old Testament, it is in reference to the Sabbath. God declared the seventh day holy, and so he instructed us to remember and keep it holy. And then God's instructions were on the Sabbath, everyone, men, women, children, animals, foreigners, servants, everyone, are to rest rather than to work. Those were God's instructions. That's pretty much it. Pretty simple, right? Well, it's actually pretty complicated. Let's say your job is to cook. You're a cook. Does that mean then on the Sabbath you can't cook even at your house, at your home, because that's what your job is? Let's say your job is a dishwasher. Does that mean that you can't wash dishes on the Sabbath because that's your job? I'm a preacher, and part of my job is to read and study the Bible. So does that mean on the Sabbath day, I would not have been able to read and study the Bible because that's what I do for a living. So so as complicated as these scenarios are, there's multitudes of others. And so the rabbis would sit around and discuss what exactly was included and what should be excluded from those Sabbath instructions. The conclusions of those discussions were then written down and they were made Into a law in and of themselves. The rabbis came up with 39 categories of work that were prohibited on the Sabbath. Now, there were some exceptions to those and included anything that needed to be done to save a life, either spiritually or even uh, physically or even spiritually. For example, midwifery was allowed, if that was your job, was to help women deliver babies, that was allowed on the Sabbath. And it was also permitted to perform circumcisions on the Sabbath to include the baby in the people of Israel. And so there were a number of rules and there were also a number of exceptions. A couple hundred years before Jesus was born, a group of Jews formed a sect called the Pharisees. Their name means the separated ones, and they took it upon themselves to bring Israel back in line with the law. They felt that if all of Israel would just start obeying the law of Moses, then God would come back down and he would help their their people to overcome the oppression by the Romans. And enforcing Sabbath laws was a big part of what the Pharisees emphasized and focused. They felt that they were the keepers of the Sabbath, that they were the lords of the Sabbath, and they were the ones in charge to make sure everyone obeyed. So when this young rabbi named Jesus shows up, They were so focused on watching his every movement to see whether he obeyed or not these rules of the Sabbath that they missed the much bigger question. Who did Jesus think he was or who was he? So we're going to walk through this text. We're going to begin in Luke chapter six, verses one through five. Scripture reads, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Now the text starts by clarifying this is a Sabbath day, seventh day. And Jesus is walking through some grain fields with his disciples. The Pharisees must have been following Jesus to have been able to observe this. So that's important. And then the other thing is that of those 39 categories of work that were prohibited, the disciples would have violated a number of those. Reaping, threshing, rubbing the husks off. Winnowing is when you would let the wind kind of blow the chaff away from the, 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 uh, the, the kernel and then preparing or eating the actual grain those would have been violations for the Jewish people at that particular time but when jesus is confronted about this he doesn't defend or he doesn't his defense isn't to to justify the actions of his disciples he doesn't argue whether they did or didn't what he does is give an example about david his defense is well you know <laughs> david broke the law too And David did what he wasn't supposed to do. This is a story that can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 21. And every week the priests would bake bread, 12 loaves, one for each of the tribes, and put it on a table before the Lord. It was called the bread of presence or showbread. It was a signify the presence of God with the 12 tribes. And every new every week when those new loaves appeared, the old loaves were taken out and then they were to be eaten by the priests. But only the priests. That was a law. David is fleeing from Saul. He and his men are running. They're hungry. They come to the temple and the priest allows them to eat some of those old loaves that were being removed. Loaves that were specifically designated only for the priests. David was the king. He was hungry. And that warranted adjusting the rules and the regulations. And and Jesus' point is, if that could happen with David, who was important, what would you think about someone like me who is even more important? Son of God. Messiah. And then he declares that the Son of Man is actually the true Lord of the Sabbath and his authority surpasses even that of David. Now, the next scene deals with a similar issue. It's a Sabbath regulation issue, but a couple details are different. Let's read uh, verses 6 through 11, Luke chapter 6. On another Sabbath day, A man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus turned and said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and uh, and began to discuss what to do with him. So this is another Sabbath day, but Jesus is in a synagogue and he's teaching. Once again, the Pharisees are watching, but this time Luke uses a word that means to watch closely. Jesus knows he's being scrutinized. Would he dare defile Sabbath laws by healing on the Sabbath in defiance of all of the regulations. Jesus takes the initiative this time and asks the Pharisees a question. Does the law permit good or evil? Should we save or destroy life? Notice that he only gives two options to do good or evil to save life or destroy it. He omits a third option, which is to do nothing. Jesus could have looked at the man, gone on his way, continue his day, done nothing. But for Jesus, doing nothing is the same as doing evil or destroying a life. Doing nothing in the face of a need in the face of an opportunity to show compassion, is the same as doing evil or destroying life. Jesus equates inactivity in the face of need with destruction of life and indifference to suffering with actively doing harm. Because Jesus knew what the purpose of the Sabbath was. God gave the Sabbath as a gift to humanity to free them from oppression They were coming out of slavery. They didn't have a chance to rest, and God blessed them with the Sabbath day so that they would have an opportunity to restore their bodies and their soul. It was a time of release from oppression. And in this case, Jesus wanted to give this man release from the oppression of his physical ailment Did you notice Jesus really didn't do anything, did he? He told the man to stand there. He told the man to stretch out his hand. He didn't act. He didn't put any salve. He didn't do the work of a doctor. (laughs) But the very ones who were plotting against him, they began plotting his death on the Sabbath day. The very thing that they were accusing Jesus of doing. The last paragraph of our text today, verses 12 through 16, don't really seem to fit with what we've been reading. It's a little bit different in tone, but I think it provides an opportunity to apply uh, some of what we've read. So let's go ahead and read verses 12 through 16. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who would later betray him. The 12 apostles. Now, the list of names varies. From gospel to gospel, people had different nicknames. They were known by different names, and so there can be a little confusion there. But but the number is always correct, 12, and the a number of the individuals, the important ones, the ones that we know about, the ones that are more active later on in church history uh, uh, are, are all there. The number 12 is important because the connection with the 12 tribes of Israel. But why did he call them apostles? They were all disciples, they were all following the rabbi, but he chose them and he gave them a new designation, apostle. Well, as you probably know, in Greek the word apostle meant someone who was sent on a mission. In English, the closest word we would have in today's terminology would probably be something like a missionary, someone sent with a mission from God. Jesus chose these 12 men to be his representatives, to represent him and to further his work. Now, when Mark describes the choosing of the 12 apostles, he says that he chose them for two things. One, to be with him, and then two, to be sent by him out into the world. To be with him. Listen, watch, learn from Jesus. And then to be sent by Jesus imitate him wherever they go. This was such an important moment in Jesus' life that he spent all night in prayer. Jesus prayed before a lot of important moments in his life, but this is the only time Scripture reveals that he prayed all night long. I don't know when the last time you pulled an all-nighter was. Typically, it's for a term paper or a project that you just have to get done. Sometimes it might be because of procrastination, sometimes because it's just so important you have to do it. The college kids here that are present are chuckling and looking at one another. (laughs) But Jesus pulled an all-nighter. That's how important this was. And the people he selected, you wonder, well, wait a second. Maybe the signals got messed up. He chose ordinary people, different kind of backgrounds, different personalities. And what this tells us is, and what we notice and see later on, is that Jesus didn't choose these people, these men, because of their faith. (laughs) It faltered. He didn't choose them because of their talent and ability. No one really stood out as an example uh, uh, with unusual ability. He, He called them to follow his mission, to live like him, to teach like him, to act like him, and even to die like him. The one characteristic that they all shared was their willingness to obey and follow Jesus. And so that leads me to a conclusion, at least in my mind, That being a Christian is less about following rules and more about following Jesus. Less about following rules and more about following Jesus. You know, in our fellowship, the Churches of Christ, we have tended to preach conversion to a set of rules, a particular way of doing church. And we have emphasized that this is the one only true way of doing church. Well, then a pandemic hit. (laughs) And it's forced us to rethink and and reexamine some of our ideas. I I mean, before the pandemic, if someone would have asked us, can you be a Christian if you stay at home in your pajamas and watch church on TV? (laughs) What would we have said? No, that's not the definition of a good Christian. The good Christians change their clothes, take a shower, shave and show up at a building. Now, after the pandemic or in the middle of the pandemic, the good Christians and not limited to that. But one of the ways we show that we want to be good Christians is by finding ways to honor and respect those uh, around us that might or might not have the virus, that we might or might not have the virus. And so now we've encouraged people to stay home, and that's why we don't have in-person services, because we feel that's what God wants. Think about the change from before and after And I'm wondering, and we'll have to see how many different kinds of things like that, as we've gone through this, that we realize, wow, things just aren't quite as clear as they might have been before. Well, following Jesus is more important than following rules. Rules are important, they provide structure, they provide guidelines. But at the end of the day, a Christian is a person who follows Jesus wherever he goes. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. If Jesus goes in this direction, we follow, regardless of what our practice, tradition, understanding might have been. And what this text tells us is that mercy was at the heart of Jesus's ministry. Mercy for the hungry, mercy for the crippled, mercy for everyone. And so when showing mercy goes against some of the basic rules we have in mind, we show mercy. And we recognize that doing nothing is the same as doing harm and destroying life. If you have ever been to the Homestead Church of Christ uh, building, you'll probably notice that as you exit the parking lot, there's a sign that says you are now entering the mission field because the entire world is a mission field. And who are the missionaries that God is sending you and me? And what is our mission? To be with Jesus and to be sent by him. To do good, to save lives, to show mercy, to live and look like Jesus. Being a Christian is less about following rules and more about following Jesus. I pray God will bless you this week as you think about and uh, find ways to bless your friends and your neighbors. I am just so grateful and happy that our country, but specifically our county of Miami-Dade, is in a much healthier place and we're able to begin conversations about having in-person meetings. They're coming soon. Please continue your diligence, your perseverance, and your prayers. God bless you. Cheryl Hudson is here to uh, lead us in prayer.